Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello, this is episode 257 of the Material Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Andy Anatko. And I am the other one of your hosts, Florence Ion. <laughs> well, I guess uh, uh, I, I have I have some news that surprised even me. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, Google will continue to send me and everybody a, a, a more free Google Minis, Google Home Minis, until uh, there must be some sort of an opt out form online you have to <laughs> fill out before they will stop sending them to you. Because I once again got, for probably the third time, directly from Google. Uh, not it has nothing to do with Black Friday and like Best Buy has, has a package. I'm just I'm just saying that I just opened up the YouTube app and it said, "Hey, thank you for being a YouTube Premium subscriber. If, I, if you tap this button and go to the Google Store, just pick out a Google Home Mini and we will send it to you for free." And I, I even for a moment like just paused, thinking, "But." Do I really do I really want another one? I I have plenty, and the only and really the uh, the only thing that really got me to push that button and accept a free fifty dollar <laughs> Google Home Mini was that well, it's the new it's it's the new model, and I only have one of the new models, oh. and if I get that in red, I can have a stereo pair, and maybe because I have so many of these. I can, if I decide in the future that I want to make uh, like uh, a Chromecast boombox out of them by mounting them in a in a delightful frame with a handle, I can do that. And that and really, it was almost say, yeah, but you have to click this button and then enter. Uh, I don't know if it's worth all that trouble. I'm just saying that I don't know why. It's I I will take one tenth of the cash equivalent. Or one tenth of the equivalent as Google Play Store credits for movie rentals. I'm. It's just. It's becoming sort of desperate on their part. I think. So now, wait. Did you get this because of YouTube Premium, or did you get this because of YouTube Music? YouTube Premium. because I, I I have okay. See, I did not receive this offer because I am not on that side of the wall in terms of YouTube things. I'm still over here in the. In the free side, you know, watching. Oh ads. my god, you watch you you, you watch those commercials. <laughs> They're awful. They're the worst. They are. They're so That's terrible. They're I, so. I, I'm willing to ugh. give Google a a, a a Google Home Mini uh, in order to get to turn off the commercials. As a matter of fact, I have plenty. I could pay them that instead of the extra eight. I can't tell you how many times I've watched that pandemic ad, like just waiting for something that, by the way, is completely benign. Like I'm just on there trying to watch people. With their Animal Crossing, you know, snippets, like the little clips they post to YouTube of the cute things they do in Animal Crossing. But like before I do that, I have to watch, you know, some blatant conspiracy video. Uh, and this is all because I didn't take a free a free Google Nest. That's why. Yeah, it's the, the, the easiest way to get money out of my pocket is to say, oh, by the way, we have a version of our service that has no ads. Boom. Buy it now. Done. Here's my credit card. Even before they tell me how much it costs done take my money i pay i pay for it on hulu i pay for it on youtube i pay for it on music services i it's it's actually almost alarming when i uh, when i'm in an environment that i actually do see an ad so wait are you are you paying for it on youtube because you feel like you use youtube enough that that would make your experience better or are you just paying it 
for the sheer fact that when you do go to YouTube, you don't want to have to deal with ads. Does that make sense? What I just asked. Uh, that ma- that makes in. sense. <laughs> um, I can answer affirmative to both sides of that question. Okay. In that I do spend, I, I do watch a lot more video on YouTube than I do from streaming services or network television. Okay. I should correct See? that. Uh, I got mm-hmm. my, uh, my, uh, my AT&T subscription g- gives me a free subscription to HBO Max. And at around 1 a.m. Oh, okay. <laughs> last night, I started watching the documentary series about the McDonald's uh, the, the, the McDonald's uh, scam where they the the why can't I can't, why can't I remember that? I've been watching think about this for ten, for like 10 hours. Why can't I remember the name Monopoly? Thank you very much. I don't know why that was stuck in my head. Oh, the Monopoly scam okay, where okay, someone okay. was stealing all the right. Oh, and yes, so, yes, yes. So so that might <laughs> that might have tilted things in the favor of uh, of, of streaming video. But still uh, but what i'm saying is that i do indeed watch enough youtube to make that worthwhile but also i do hate ads enough right that, okay uh, but I, I, if uh, b- below a certain amount of money almost in principle just to feel as though i'm getting away with something because i feel okay, as though okay. yeah it's at, at this point i don't even know how to deal with commercial breaks anymore there's a okay. on, my, on my plex server uh, plex added a new feature where uh, to people who like pay for Plex that, oh, by the way, we're also licensing like a, a, you also get free title, uh, T-I-D-A-L. And it's like a, a free, the, we, there's free movies and free TV shows and free music. And of course it's free because like you'll be watching a movie and it'll be interrupted with commercials. And I don't, I almost, I've lost the ability to simply, uh, my, my lifelong training for this moment uh, which is uh, since I was a child, oh, this is when you put down the remote and go to the bathroom or do something else for two right. or three minutes or even just mute it so you don't even have to listen to it until mm-hmm. you you see Chet Connors or whoever, the action hero, come back on. Uh, I, I've i lost that skill. It's like, what? what, what? Why, why am I being shown some sort of a video game that I have no interest in? I didn't ask to see this. And so, yes. Wow. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I was curious about that because that's why I don't pay for YouTube. So I'm not getting any free Nest Mini, but also just because I don't find this. I mean, I feel like we have plenty of opportunities that we will be talking about this. So (laughs) I do want to I do want to save that. Um, I would like to quickly segue because I wanted to I wanted to show you something that my husband brought into my office the other day. Now, he has a subscription to Logic Magazine. Um, which is a, I would say a progressive tinged, uh, pub- tech publication. Um, it's very geared toward developers and people who are like working in tech versus those of us watching in out on the periphery. Um, and so he dropped this off on my desk and he's like, I think this is something that you'd probably want to have in your library, which is the making of the tech worker movement. It's a pamphlet. Um, the the original article was actually published in early May, and I have the link for everybody in the show notes uh, because I think it is very worth reading. So Ben Tarnoff basically summarized – I've only gotten a few pages slash a few paragraphs into the actual article, bef- so I haven't actually finished it to kind of give you the whole like rundown of the thesis but it is a great so far introduction into like the current tech worker movement that we're seeing happening right now. Um, And 
Google's the crux of this whole thing. So it is the example that is woven through this entire article. Um, they talk about the massive walkout that happened in 2018 and just kind of how that movement is essential to every last bit of the tech industry. So it's not just for developers and, you know, software engineers and their bosses. It's for like every single person that makes up this giant ecosystem. So I'm I'm looking forward to curling up with this and I guess, you know, <laughs> learning more um, because I know that there's so much that I haven't read up on. I've kind of just, I've become a headline skimmer. Just, you know, in time, I had a baby. Like there's a lot <laughs> of stuff I'm kind of a little behind on because I used to just read and absorb so much because I actually had time to do that, but I don't as much anymore. And I really like when I get like these little physical copies of things because again, you can physically curl up with it and just kind of like really get into it and sit and think about it. Um, and so anybody who'd like to join me can do that this weekend. I'll have the link in the show notes. <laughs> on, your, on your on your recommendation, I will do that. Okay. You had print it out, Andy, and staple it, you know, and then we can <laughs> really. Well, see, I've been reminded of the great thing about reading stuff electronically because all it is is it's like a bookmark in your bookmarks file or it is something that – a URL that gets sent to like Pocket or whatever. Right. Um, I've, I've been applying the same sort of system that I've been using for uh, movies and CDs for years – uh, towards books recently where mm -hmm. like I'm uh, $20 for a Blu-ray and I'm, I'm I don't want to and I'm probably not interested in $20 but if I can buy it used for four or five dollars I yep. will I will buy it just to have it in my library so that next week the week after I can and recently I started doing kind of the same thing with books because uh, the Kindle version of a book that I want to read is 10 bucks, but I can see that, oh, well, I, or I can get a used copy of yep. this for like $4 plus like a dollar shipping. And I'm, I'm being reminded of one of the, one of the bad things about physical books is that now I've got like a, a chair in my bedroom mm -hmm. that has like nine books that I've been meaning to read and they're just sitting there and I can see they're like a progress bar that doesn't move. And I see it every time I wake up. And that doesn't happen with the Kindle app. So, Okay, I just need to say something because you were talking about that. And, and I think a couple people are going to roll their eyes at me. But whatever. This is my podcast, so meh. Um, <laughs> Bernie Sanders has what's called a closed chair. Very relatable. Like everybody has it. The chair in their house where everything just kind of goes on it. Yes. <laughs> And that just reminded me of that just because I have one in the other room that has a stack of magazines on it, a couple of mismatched baby socks. I don't know. She just kicks them off at random places of the house um, and and dirty pillowcases <laughs> because my daughter loves to spit up on everything as babies do. <laughs> Anyway, it was just reminding me of that. Um, hopefully, I, I don't put this pamphlet in that pile. Like, hopefully, I actually get to it because it's next to my reading spot, mm. the the stuff chair. So that's like where the I will get to it eventually. So I have the physical version of that happening out in the room, but with like, you know, quarterlies and whatever special editions of the, things. The, the the stuff the stuff chair is to like household tidiness as the five second rule is to eating. Yes. It's like, we know it's not <laughs> ideal. However, 
no harm done, really. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. And uh, now the, the the problem is that when I add a second chair, or when it's the pile of where the it's more being honored as a set of coordinates on the floor, mm-hmm. <laughs> where mm-hmm. somewhere underneath that pile of boxes and clothes and books is a chair that's. Probably or an has AirPod. My winter coat from two thousand five. Yeah. Oh wait, still, what was it that you were missing? It was the AirPods, AirPods right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I still, I still have the case. Now, see, now that, now that's a different thing because, in my defense, sorry, I'm the, teasing you about no, 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 a no, pile oh. I've never even seen, but oh, I've heard I'm, so many I'm, stories. I'm about. aware. I'm aware I'm being teased. <laughs> believe, believe me, I became an expert in being able to sense when I'm being teased through two two years of junior high. So. Um. Oh my gosh, uh, Andy, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. It seems like the news. It just doesn't it, – it feels like it's been bubbling at a very um, slow simmer, I should say. <laughs> yes. Because it's like little things keep happening, but it's not enough to be like the front page of the, you know, the tech section or whatever. It's kind of like just buried in with a bunch of other news about petty theft and <laughs> whatever else happens. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's 2020. There's – I, I think most of us have sort of given up, not not in a defeatist way, but simply saying, "Okay, it's 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 the sixth inning or it's the fifth inning of a ball game. Your team is behind thirteen runs. We all accept that this is just not going to be one for the. This is not going to be one for the W column. Mm-hmm. And, and you still play and you still enjoy being outside in the fresh air and being off with the crowds. But you just simply realize, okay, this is not going. So that's that really takes a load off, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. kind of encourages us to let's. You know, so long as we're tearing up all the wallpaper in the bedroom, let's also take care of the of, of the uh, of the carpet as well, because yeah, I just, it's not as though ugh. we're not going to be messy. <laughs> well, speak, speaking of messy, one, one last thing before we go to before we take take a break, um, I as well as you have said such nice things about uh, about Chromebooks and the Pixel uh, the, the Pixel Book. I had a I had a, a more uh, feet on the ground experience this morning where I'm, I'm, I'm in the living room. I've got my, my, got my morning toast and beverage. I'm continuing to watch this, this, uh, this monopoly mm-hmm. monopoly game series on HBO. And I get sent a contract that I need to sign and return and realize after 30 minutes of like <laughs> of p- typing in the return the, a a reply to this email that had this Microsoft Word document pr- uh, attached. Say, so, oh, that's no here 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 you go. Well, oh, gr- the, great, thanks for saying all the terms look good. Um, here it is attached. I had to like after thirty minutes, I had to like go tab back into my mail window, delete that, <laughs> and replace with the phrase. After thirty minutes of trying and failing to get my Chrome my my, my Pixel book to open this document so that I could and able to sign it, I have failed to do so. Let me amend that then to I will sign this and return it to you later in the day where I'm behind my MacBook. And I'm sharing this with everybody because so there's with every it's yin and yang for every mm-hmm, heads on mm-hmm, the coin. Mm-hmm. There's a tails on the coin mm-hmm, for every mm-hmm. compliment that I would like to give to genuine compliment to the to the pixel book. There are times where I'm just feeling like Microsoft Office is the probably the most well backed well like most important suites of software in the entire world 
And the fact that uh, I, I see the fact that I had to download the new version of like Office for the Pixelbook, that's on me. I'm not I'm not even counting that again. I did not even start okay. the clock until that was installed. But the fact that it really even Microsoft with all of its resources and it's and having this whole like uh, business scheme now of saying Office is, is now a service. It's not a software. We want to make sure that no matter what device you're on, it will work. The fact that I launched this thing after downloading it and still wants to be like on a 2011 era phone screen, that disappoints me. And when I maximize it and I'm still getting a stretched out 2011 phone screen sort of layout and it wouldn't even open the document, which was a standard like DocX format document, Mm -hmm. let alone allow me to sign it. I was I was disappointed. I'll be that blunt. I was disappointed. My uh, my elan was dampened. Shall we? So say. now is this a failing of the Chromebook or a failing of Microsoft? I would say a failing of the entire ecosystem. It, it's it says something mm-hmm. that Microsoft again with as many resources as possible, and also I would dare say the ability to get a phone call returned if one of their developers on the office team were to call Google and say, "Hi, we would like as much help as possible porting Office over to Android so that it works on all so- all sorts of size screens." Mm. I would say that they could do that if they were so motivated, but they don't appear to be so very motivated. That mm-hmm. that seems to be an, an either an evangelical problem on Google's part. Uh, a uh, insufficient number of spits given on Microsoft Office Teams part or just part of the fact that this was happening in 2020. I don't know which one. I'm just putting all three out there. Can I suggest that you do the Chromebook user thing to do, which is find a workaround? <laughs> See, <laughs> this is, I, I know, I, this just I, go, tell, I, I, I know. telling people that, oh, well, I could, I would love to, I would, I, I would love to have stuck using my iPad, but gosh, there are times when you, uh, you need a file system and you need like a real keyboard and a trackpad and a more, it's like, and I'm sure that I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to, given that it couldn't have possibly gone any worse on the Chromebook, I have to assume that it will go better on the iPad. So, okay, why not tap into the power of Linux and download LibreOffice, <laughs> which is what I did on the Chromebook? It's a Microsoft Word document, and I downloaded a Microsoft app, a Microsoft version of Microsoft Word. I shouldn't have to say, oh, that was your mistake downloading a Microsoft product to open it and sign it. I, just... I know, but sometimes I have to fill out invoices with Excel spreadsheets that only work in Excel because of you know some automated system that I have to like submit it to, and... I found that LibreOffice helps me get around that without me having to do anything with any sort of license. Because I don't, I'm a freelancer. Okay, I, I have a kid now. Like I can't just spend money on software like I used to. So, you know, that we just go for the open source version and just thank God for the bustling, dedicated community that keeps these things going so that all I have to do is run a couple commands, boop dee doo doo doop You just copy yeah. and paste from the internet. It does it for you in the command line. And then, boom, you have LibreOffice on there and it runs like a native app. It just feels like at that point, it's simpler for me to just root through my desk drawer, find a a dry erase marker, sign it on the screen, 
take a photo of that screen with my phone and then email them the photo. If if that if that's my goal, just to make sure they get back a signed version of this contract. I also have another tip. Just just I just want to round this out with one more tip, and th- because I feel like somebody listening to this might be having a similar issue with the Chromebook, and I just would like to you know my whole job is helping people figure out how to use their stuff. You are well known so, at that for that, and you're also yes. very good at that. Thank you. Uh, and I I was going to ask you if this is something that you have to submit as a PDF, because I know of a great, great PDF extension that works with Google Chrome. And it's because it's the cross-platform, you know, use, I use it on the browser, on my PC, and I use it on the Chromebook. It's called Kami, K-A-M-I. Um, and it's $1.99 a year. No, a month, excuse me. It's $1.99 a month. Uh, and it's like one of the greatest PDF editors I've ever used. Um, and it lets you store your signature, which I do. And so you just go and you like paste it, paste, paste your little signature <laughs> that you and wrote out. Anyway, I hope that's, that's fine. I, I, again, there, there, <laughs> there are workarounds. I just, I just realized that in the same uh, building, uh, all, in the very next room, I did have any number of computers that are well capable of doing this. And so, well, uh, for anybody if, listening if, out there if, who only if, has if, a if I were book. if I were in a hotel room and somebody who is a known deadbeat out of the blue has decided to like pay me money that they've owed me for like uh, for like ten years, and I didn't want to lose any time, then yes, I would have definitely done that. But mm-hmm. it was it was a simple, common transaction of which many people engage in with a computer that they spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on, lots and lots of times. I'm just. I just I want to add one quick other little thought before we move on, which is just think about all the parents out there who had to buy Chromebooks because of the quarantine and like having to move schooling to home and maybe not the schools couldn't provide the Chrome, the requisite (laughs) Chromebook needed for all this stuff. Like think about all those parents and new Chromebook at home users out there like i'm really thinking about them and all of these little things because you and i can we'll find seven thousand workarounds to do anything and for us we'll be like oh yeah it's fine i'll just do that seven step thing like i i've done worse in life kind of thing but for other people it's like this is not user friendly i can't do this one thing it's you know also also we have the additional advantage that you and i both come from hardy uh, immigrant stock we're both from like that Eastern European, like Western Russia sort of. We are we are built for winter warfare. We're built <laughs> to survive really, really bad winters in which the crops simply don't come in and we feel as though we've been forsaken by God. We have this genetic proclivity for saying, well, of course. That doesn't it's that true. doesn't mean that we don't get the milking done. We still get that milking done. Uh. We should move on before before, start before we about start genetics. singing uh, singing uh, Fiddler on the Roof songs. Perhaps we should <laughs> move on to. Let's <laughs> we'll take a let's take a break. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Do you have a website, and does your website have a shopping cart, registration form, or contact us page? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need Pingdom. Nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. 
That means a bad experience for your users and could mean lost business for you. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring will alert you when cart checkout, forms, and login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment any of these fail in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. Go to pingdom.com slash RealAFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use our code material at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RealAFM. Well, we got a lot, we got a lot, lot of like uh, heavy government stuff coming in for the uh, for this uh, for the act 2 here. Um you're I'll uh you all you listeners, we love you all. You also don't know how lucky you are that the uh, uh the Trump is uh, is probably going to be signing some sort of an executive order uh, that it takes action against social media companies and publishers like Google uh, and YouTube uh, because he's upset that he was saying a whole bunch of lies and and deceiving people. And Twitter, after letting that go without any much response for three and a half years, despite repeated violations of their standard user policies, said, well, maybe we'll just add an amendment, just add a little tag, little tiny tag at the end of this tweet saying that he's talking, I'm not going to use the word, but something that is, you you might want to know that none of this is true. But they did it in such a friendly, polite way, but that got Trump upset in some way, and so he's about to take action. And I was, I was prepared to say, "Oh, I'm going to be so miffed about this that that's going to be like the first two hours of this show, and that's going to leak into like hour three of the show." And we're not a, even a two-hour show, but that's although it seems it seems like he's going to be doing this thing. It hasn't been announced, or we haven't seen the text of it yet. So, dodged a bullet there. Maybe I will have calmed down enough next week to simply say. And now let's look, but let's dig deep into how this will affect as a practical thing, uh, given its lack of enforceability and the fact that it's already been challenged on many fronts uh, by seasoned lawmakers about the limits of the executive the executive powers. I'm so you you managed to also uh, uh, please please say a prayer of thanks for our editor Jim. Uh, my plan was going to be to say Jim. I'm going to be using a lot of foul language here because otherwise it'll just take us too long to get through this topic. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to PayPal you 50 cents for every one of these. You have to cut out up to $500. Let's say anything above that. Maybe I won't be able to afford that. So Uh, so he, he, Jim has also dodged a bullet. Anyway, that's a lot of different kinds of waterfowl, Andy. (laughs) I'm sorry. I tried. But uh, but in, in all seriousness, uh, anything that anything that is issued in this proclamation of uh, of Lord Trump will affect Google, or particularly YouTube, uh, in a very very real way. Assuming whether whether it gets shot down immediately or on a later date, so perhaps we will talk about it next week. Next week is going to be pretty busy as it is, so maybe we'll dodge the bullet for another week. Next week is the big announcement. Uh, is the big uh, uh, online uh, Android 11 event on yeah, actually Wednesday. So it is. I'm covering it, by yes. the way. Lovely. But not for 
well, we will be covering it, of but course. I'm covering it live in the moment for all about Android for anybody who's listening who wants to like join us <laughs> for that. Um, also, it's my husband's day. birthday next week. Just just so everybody knows, it is going to be a very busy week for Flo. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Flo. <laughs> so we're, we're going to be skipping a little of that. Uh, but we got something else to take a look at and sort of pick apart. Um, Sunday Pichai uh, has had uh, is still on his uh, Goodwill tour. Uh, last uh, last week we talked about the uh, episode of the Verge cast that uh, Sundar uh, participated in. This week mm-hmm. he gave an exclusive interview to Stephen Levy uh, over at Wired, um, and so that's now. First of all, Stephen uh, Stephen Levy is if if anybody has uh, uh, has credibility in this industry, it is Stephen. He has. Uh, he is a very, very respected voice, and for very, very good reason. Yeah. So I don't. So no. Uh, so uh, when I when I talk about how interesting it is that uh, Alphabet slash Google has found time in Sundar Pichai's schedule for not one but two exclusive interviews, uh, it's not be it's not because they think that that Wired is a soft touch and a softball interview, as we will find out. Uh, he did ask some really pointed questions here, but it also but it does cause us to reflect upon the fact that clearly Google feels as though they need to get some, they need to get a human face and a human voice in front of Google in the times that are to come ahead. I mean, it's two, two massive profiles of Sundar Pichai basically back to back one another. So maybe the Verge and Wired have slightly different reader bases, but the Venn diagram of the two, like, meets up very much in the middle. And so it's a very interesting, it was a very interesting turn of events. Like when I, cause right after we had finished recording last week's episode, this came out and I just kind of was like, really already? <laughs> like this is, <laughs> that was really quick. Like yeah. we just got done talking about this in another publication. Um, but Andy, it turns out that there were some things that yeah. did not cross over from the Virgin interview. Yeah, and and for for all of this preamble, it's it's possible that because of the disruption in regular schedules, that certain like regular like locks on his time are now flexible. And someone said, "Oh, what the I heck? Mean, Why not?" I mean, he's just at home. Yeah, well, <laughs> like the he's rest still working. Of us. It's it's so. it, it's and this, but this is the sort of thing that occurs to me anytime this sort of thing happens because you you cannot you cannot imagine how expensive and valuable one hour of a CEO's time is, even if they're not one of the That's top true. tech companies in the entire world. So it is significant when a company is is making him making a CEO available uh, multiple times. If there's another exclusive to time to hit next week, that will be super interesting as well. But <laughs> but we'll we'll end that here uh, because, like I said, uh, he, he did a good, he did a really good job. There's a uh, there's some tidbits here that I, I decided to sort of uh, uh, sort of single out here uh, very quickly. He was asked about uh, Google's workforce perhaps working from home permanently. Uh, Twitter and Facebook have both said things like, "Oh, well, we're trying by the end of the decade. By the, by the time this decade is out, we will put an employee in his or her rec room." Developing the next version of, uh, he's saying it's, 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 his comment was his reaction. I'm, to I'm whether, shaking my head at Andy in a very friendly manner. Anyway, <laughs> just so everybody knows. Oh come on, we woke, I'm an Englander. 
my, 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 if if I had if I had a like a a CNC like toy with like <laughs> my, my my mother's top phrases, one of those top eight would be, "Look, <laughs> you have we have we, few people few people have suffered as the Kennedys have suffered." Uh yes, 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 yeah. Uh, anyway. anyway, anyway. <laughs> But enough about that. Uh, so, but interesting. But he's saying that uh, his there's a, essentially saying he, there's a difference between uh, the situation right now, in which mostly the groups that are the teams that are working together from their individual homes are teams that work together all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what will have to happen in the near future when you have two different teams, people who almost never talk to each other, will they be able to really get stuff done? through a Google Meets uh, window, as opposed to being all together in the same room and interacting that way. Uh, So as I say, we are going to have research surveys, learn from data, learn what works. Um, More important to me, uh, Steve asked about uh, whether there are going to be cuts or layoffs coming in the ad division, given that the ad market is starting to contract because of the situation. Um, he's saying, I'm quoting here, we are moderating our hiring plans, but we are still bringing in people. That doesn't mean we aren't looking for efficiencies. We're looking at areas where we can course correct, where we can be more efficient, where we can streamline. And that caught my attention because one of the things I'm kind of curious about is um, it's obvious to hope that, hey, maybe we'll, people, uh, employers are going to be a lot more flexible about where people get their work done, that maybe they can work from home and only have to come into the office like once or twice a week. The thing that I'm concerned about is that this will cause a lot of uh, management to say, well, you know what? If we get people to work from home, they're probably not going to be working just seven or eight hours a day. Maybe though we can get them to work even longer hours, mm. and maybe we can fire a whole lot of people and put the work on fewer workers. So I'm hoping that that doesn't really happen. Whenever I see a CEO saying, uh, using words like "where can we be more efficient and streamline," that's when I, if I worked for that company, I would start stealing post its and copier paper and stuff like mm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was asked about antitrust, and he answered that with a non-answer of heroic proportions uh, that doesn't bear repeating. Um, he was asked, uh, how much are Larry Page and Sergey Brin now involved in the business now that they are mm-hmm. sort of like founders emeritus uh, status? Um, and he described it as a really informal and a conversational kind of relationship Quoting again here, they are not conventional thinkers. There is value because they are not involved in day-to-day. Sometimes it's always refreshing for me to talk to them because we talk with different time horizons. And there he was indicating that whereas Mm. he as a CEO is thinking about, okay, well, we need to get this to market in the next year. We're investing in AI so that that will develop in the next five or six years. Whereas like Larry Page is thinking along the lines of – now, after we've patented the technology of brains and glass jars, we're going to want to have them just float in midair. Now, that's not going to happen for another 200 years. I'm not quoting anything here, but you get the idea. Uh, I also found interesting that he said that he just talked to Larry a few days ago. So it's not just a sort of like uh, how Steve Wozniak is technically, I think, still an employee of Apple, even though he has absolutely nothing to do with the company. Uh, so but that's so that's good so sometimes the best place for uh a uh free uh, a pie in the sky sort of visionary founder is like off on the ranch 
like at the top of the mountain that you sometimes go up and consult, but you don't necessarily have them make decisions on uh, what do, are we going, what's the price point of the next phone going to be? Uh, because he might think, well, in the in the future, everybody's going to just have one device called a phone, and you know, so, um, so, but that that uh, inspired the follow up question: Is Google still googly? Uh, the question here is: One thing that did change was the way you did your weekly all hands meeting. TGIF: You no longer take any questions employees would throw at you, and mm-hmm. here uh, he parried that off. Uh, into a non-answer he just said oh well the q a free-for-all no longer works at our uh, i'm sorry my, i think i'm paraphrasing here but basically saying that uh instead of talking about the reasons why they clamped down and if this would perhaps limit the freedom of expression of complaints and awareness of various divisions he's basically saying that well the the free-for-all idea of a q a no longer works at our current scale uh, but did say that, oh, we'll just, uh, we take questions at a unit group levels because that's the scale at which it works well. These are natural evolutions, which we do as a bigger company. And here, here's here's where uh, Steve Levy was getting into a lot more stuff that I really want, <laughs> I want uh, him to be asked. Um, saying that one evolution is a tension between workers and management as your workforce has pushed back on subjects like defense work, harassment, and other issues. Uh, and this was probably the most weaselly response that he gave the entire interview. Again, I'm quoting here, maybe what played out in the last couple of years had a more external component to it. But there have always been vocal debates within Google on many things. And that's, again, they're talking about harassment and they're talking about the environment of uh, people who feel as though they're being devalued at their company. And I don't like the... I don't like the idea that he's saying, well, maybe there was some people from outside, like raising it, uh, causing troubles inside the company. I thought that there was an opportunity for him to give a much, much more honest answer than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm making a lot of thinking faces. Yeah, this, I just I, I want to make sure of... that maybe, maybe, well, I just want to make sure I'm not like <laughs> there, there again. There, there are a lot of interesting things here that the, a really good follow up here. Um, Stephen asked, well, why not just, mm-hmm. why not have a diversity moonshot? Like where you do whatever it takes to make significant changes in mm-hmm. those numbers. Uh, and, uh, he did, uh, once again, uh, Sundar Pichai mentioned small advances, uh, mentioned that, oh, well, just, as you said, we were the first to publish those numbers and that's how you mm-hmm. know that, uh, that we're not doing so well. Uh, but here's the quote, uh, the meaningful quote, uh, quote, one of the things which makes it hard to move the numbers is that we are growing a lot. But I absolutely accept the premise that all we that we all need to improve. We are all asking ourselves the question, what would actually move the needle more and what are the bigger things we need to do? Which is nice because he is acknowledging the scope, the scale and the scope of the question. Also, that this is something that needs to be they need to change the the environment, the temperature of the room inside Google. It's not about, oh, well, we've got rid of those. We're, we're initiating some new policies and we've gotten rid of those bad apples. It's no, you have a cultural problem that needs to be addressed. Uh, but then he disappointed when uh, 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 Stephen Levy uh, sort of asked as a follow-up, saying, well, what are the actual numbers? What are you? What are your targets in trying to achieve uh, movement on this and what are you actually achieving? And the quote here is, uh, on these areas, we took a long-term view, so we don't have specific goals. Our numbers are much below where they need to be, so we have a lot of room to make up. Again, a good opportunity for 
for Sundar Pichai to make a really qualitative statement that I we I think that I'll, I'll, I'm uh, I'm not going to say we I'm going to say I'm speaking only for myself that I really want him to uh, to be quite explicit about the scale of the problem, a timeline for what he wants to achieve, and how we will know that they're making progress on that timeline. Because it's we are it's the ink is rarely dry on the latest story of bad news coming from the the workplace inside Google before the the next one uh, comes off the presses. So this is not a time for him to hedge. This is not a time for uh, this is not a time for being vague. It's like what? How do you figure this out? Or even and even if you don't know what to do, how are you exploring that and trying to figure out what to do? Uh, so I I have to say that I was pretty disappointed in that. Um, he asked, he was asked about China. Was reaffirmed that there he has no plans. They have that they have no plans to offer any of our core products in China. Um, the follow up was, well, what about that search engine? Is is that dead? And he used the actual question, is it dead? And the quote here is, we have no plans to offer search in China, which isn't the same as saying that a Chinese search engine project is dead. It just means that it could mean that we are working on it and we want we want to have it staged and ready to go as soon as we feel as though the climate is right. It doesn't mean that if we decide to do it, we would have to start all over again. So that's kind of disappointing. Um, now, here's now here's where the a really timely question came in. He was, of course, asked about Trump, which is a topic that that of course uh, came up in the Vox in the Vergecast interview last week mm-hmm. uh, and he was asked directly if the president spent, spreads misinformation on your platform with the discussion of whether or not to remove the post bubble up to you and he said well you know YouTube normally handles that stuff and we also rely on outside groups to help them decide on individual policies but end with the quote, but yes, I am definitely in some of the debates as needed. So he didn't say definitely. He was he was asked another question, like, would you prepare be would you be prepared to block a Trump speech or statement that gives dangerous medical misinformation? And as we all know, this has been happening left and right as he's been encouraging people not to use masks, encouraging people to violate state orders to not congregate in large groups, uh, recommending an unapproved and possibly dangerous drug to counteract the coronavirus and its effects. Um, And he gave a very, very safe answer. I'm going to quote here again. I don't want to answer hypotheticals. In general, it's really important in a democracy that as a company, you support political discourse. Our role is to surface news stories actively in context around any of these things, which I thought was weaseling out of things. 100 (laughs) percent. I've just been sitting here listening to you thinking about uh, how there is no. There is no solution to this right now that will satisfy you and me. Andy, you and I. I'm talking about the two of us right here, okay? Um, everybody who's listening right now is privy to our conversation because I don't want to speak for everybody. But I am speaking for myself, which is to say, again, there is no solution that is going to come up right now for what is happening in real time. Um, I think we're going to be talking about that a tiny bit in the next segment, just based on like what's going on right now with Trump and Twitter and this fact checking thing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we will get to that, but it's just making me think on a, uh, more on a higher level, the fact that since 
the Trump administration has come into into play in America that a lot of the policymaking in tech we're starting to, let me back that up we're starting to see the holes in the policymaking uh, in the way that tech makes policy around what's going on with the world so that is to say we're starting to see what is actually just fruity kind of uh sentiments fruity scent if i meant to say frilly sentiments (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm actively like thinking and trying to like think of the words you know this is a very hard thing for me to do apparently flowery Flowery, i think is what i meant to say anyway what i'm trying to say is we're starting to see the cracks in the pavement y'all um It was one thing for back in the day for tech companies to say, we support diversity. We support these people. We're going to do this initiative. We're giving money to this organization. But now that they actually have to like take a stance, that's not going to happen because ultimately when it comes down to it, business is the first priority, not the people. That's kind of like a thing that we've been talking about in terms of just like corporations. And this is why like, Corporations are not people. And, you know, I'm sorry to whoever is exhausted by that sentiment that is listening um, that I'm bringing that into this conversation. But that's effectively what's happening. Um, It's very easy. It was very easy for Silicon Valley to say, like, look at us. We're different. We think differently. We do these things differently. But when it comes down to it, there is no um, there's no muscle behind that machine. It's just it just is what it is. It's, you know. There's money to be made, and the only way to keep that churning is to kind of play it safe. Yeah. So, because when you're talking about the president of the United States saying these things, it complicates the matter 100 times more. And that's what makes this whole thing very difficult to talk about because... um, so many people out there feel a certain way about America and the way politics are done, but we're starting to just see how this is all imploding. Okay. Now I think I'm getting, I'm getting too <laughs> intense and I apologize. It's just, it just feels yeah. futile sometimes because, because you know, it is, it's like, I want, I want an answer that is satisfying, but I know that it's not going to happen because the stakes are so high and like you really have to, you know, the stakes are just so high. And that's when you you start to see the reality of the situation. Yeah, it's it is. I, I certainly wouldn't want to be instant arbitrage position where and if I were if I were asked directly a question uh, that uh, whose answer might even further antagonize an easily antagonized person. And I have the option of saying something safe. I probably knowing that, uh, knowing that my, my sum total of response to the situation is, is not going to be encapsulated inside one answer to one question, one interview that I've, I've got a lot of other things that I'm going that I'm doing. Uh, I don't, I don't blame him for, for playing it safe there. Um, but it's, the, uh, the that's balanced. And I'm not just talking uh, about Google and, and YouTube here, but every single uh, service that's available to uh, to Trump and anybody who has that kind of political power. That in, at the you're you're always everywhere in life, no matter who you are, you're responsible for your own actions, and you can say 
that uh, you you can you can offer context to why you made the decisions that you did, and that might gain you reasonable sympathy uh, and uh, and acknowledgement that you were in a very very tough situation, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you're still responsible for those things that you did, and uh, this is something that's weighing very, very heavily on, particularly the CEO, head of the CEO of Twitter right now, where never have it's when you have people that are conceivably going to die because of misinformation. What do you do under those circumstances? This is not political speech. This is medical speech. And mm. we have it, it kind of it broke my heart a little when I saw a video from I think I, I think this is from the, the video that everybody saw. I think it was from Alabama over uh, over uh, Memorial Day weekend that just this water park or water attraction that uh, that that had like just seemed like thousands and thousands of people like and not uh, not observing any sort of uh, safety regarding coronavirus whatsoever and being interviewed by uh, by a reporter whose attitude was, well, the president isn't wearing a, a mask, so I figure that must be safe not to wear a mask. That really breaks my heart because this is I – don't, I don't think people are necessarily stupid for not doing social distancing or not wearing masks, that sort of thing, because – Oftentimes they are relying on mm -hmm. source avenues of information that mm -hmm. used to be bulletproof. Meaning, even if you were, even if they were wrong, you were not wrong to believe uh, this mm -hmm. person when they said that, "Hey, this is the example that I'm setting. Please follow my example." Uh, and so, I don't. Uh, at some point, this is the coronavirus is going to be the most heavily and deeply analyzed set of uh, annual statistics mm -hmm. in medical history, probably. And we are going to be able to determine that here is how many – here is how much longer this persisted because of this particular piece of disinformation. And here are here, – here is what happened when these people were encouraged to do this and go to this event. And maybe mm -hmm. even there's going to be ability to say here's how many people died because of that. And the number – then the, the, the math is going to be – published and anybody can hammer on them as long as they want and even 50 years after the fact it's going to be agreed upon that we don't know exactly how many people died because of twitter and very very powerful people spreading disinformation but we know the we know that the body count is within this range mm -hmm. and we're going to again we will have sympathy for how difficult these decisions were at twitter but nonetheless these people are going to be responsible for to a certain extent for the damage that was done well, let's move on. We got to we got to have a, a talk about talk about problems that a company like Google has to face. We have uh, we have a trifecta of Google censorship stories uh, today. Oh. This is I, I, again any one of these may or may not have been worthy of like in depth discussion. When I'm looking through like my notes for the show and realize, oh, we got a we got a set of three. There you go. Now we've got a. That's mm. that's the topic now. Uh, but what so, is is this like? You say Bloody Mary three times and something happens. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Beetlejuice or Candyman. <laughs> Notice that I'm. Although I'm not superstitious, I will not say either of those names three times in a row mm -mm. Mm -mm. because same same. Again, you have the option of not. 
There's <laughs> if there's mm-hmm, a one mm-hmm, in eighty mm-hmm, quadrillion mm-hmm. chance of it happening, mm-hmm. you can reduce that to zero by simply exactly. not saying that word three times in a row. One hundred percent. Who knows? Maybe I just simply have this unknown, hitherto psychic or, or mutant power to manifest a nightmare from my own imagination <laughs> if I say the name three times. So I don't want that to happen. Yeah, you don't want to find that out. Anyway. Okay, so uh, censorship item number one. Uh, Google deleted millions, up to 7 million negative reviews of the uh, the video app TikTok uh, from the Google Play Store uh, and got a little bit of blowback from that. Apparently, uh, TikTok has been, in, in India, has been uh, making a lot of not friends uh, by routinely, routinely doing the things that, Unfortunately, social media uh, and 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 content publishing mm-hmm. platforms do, which is publishing stuff that is stupid and offensive and can Bad. maybe and yeah and <laughs> at the worst can even like inspire violence. Yeah, uh, one of the things that sort of uh, straw that broke the uh, broke the back there was a. What sounds I have not seen this video, but it sounds incredibly tasteless. Some comedian posted a video spoofing acid attacks on women and that kind of tipped the tip the tip the, the the scales completely uh and car- and got like lots of mil- apparently millions and millions of people to plummet to to, to pummel the uh, the TikTok app uh, play store listing with one star reviews uh causing the app's rating at one point to fall from 4.5 stars to 1.2 um, so the app had a, uh, had about 20 million ratings before this, uh, 27 million after Google removed apparently t- about 7 million of these one star reviews. Uh, and this was automatically triggered by a, uh, an automatic sort of spam alert that this is, if someone is, if that, if something's happening that fast, that negative, and with that velocity, there must be a concerted effort or a bot mm, that's doing it. Right, right, uh, they, right. they did leave many of those negative reviews stand. Uh, I think that the last uh, in the U.S., it's back up to 4.5 and other parts of the I'm sure that it's lower in uh, in India. I think one Indian newspaper was saying that it was up from 1.2 as its lowest up to 1.7. Uh, but this it's. It's, it's it's sort of led a lot of people to ask, well, is it are you limiting someone's free speech? Like what if they if these are seven million people that were inspired or motivated to to legitimately leave one star reviews? Does Google have any business actually like removing that uh, that influence from the uh, from the rating? And I would I would say, no, this is this seems like. If, if people want to continue to leave one-star reviews, they can do so. This really did seem like an aberration more than anything else. Also, I'm just not a fan of one-star reviews. The only the only purpose of a one-star review is to inflict damage as opposed to help people make an informed decision about whether or not this app is worthy of downloading. Uh, but I certainly appreciate that if, if you're driven to... Uh, appropriate levels of anger <laughs> and you see that one way to leash, to make your displeasure known is by simply hitting the play store and leaving a negative review. I certainly understand that. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I just... <laughs> well, the, well, the next one, the next I'm one, I'm just thinking about all the crappy apps that I've, that I've yeah. come across that have like one star reviews for legitimate reasons. And so, you know, when you do this, it, I tend to believe it. If I'm going to see one out of 
five stars. Somebody must be pissed off about something. So well, let, anyway, let me put it this way: when you see when you say see like a, a one star uh, review on uh, on Yelp or like Open Table or something like that, do you think that this is a horrible, horrible, horrible restaurant? Or as well, I, yeah, do, I have to do, look into it. Yeah, you yeah, have to I, look into I've, it. I whenever I see a one star review, I see. Oh, so somebody asked for extra extra sweet and sour sauce on their takeout order, was told that there is a $1 upcharge for extra sweet and sour sauce, and then paid the upcharge, but then needed to get a little bit of Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and that happens to apps sometimes, which is very... Actually, it happens a lot. What am I saying? <laughs> like, I'm really downplaying the fact that people are like, this app doesn't have um, this specific character... One star. Anyway, <laughs> we have to go through the trifecta. I'm holding us back. I'm holding us back. <laughs> well, okay. Number number two, and this was another seems like bot related activity, automation related mm. activity. Mm. Um, they got in hot water. <laughs> uh, YouTube got in hot water because it turns out that they were deleting comments on YouTube videos that contained uh, two specific phrases critical of the Chinese government. Um, this story comes from The Verge. Uh, that if they if a comment had uh, the the uh, in Chinese glyphs, uh, not in English, but the, the phrases communist bandit or the phrase 50 cent party uh, and 50 cent party in the, is slang in China for users yeah. that have been paid by the government to divert not conversation. Not 50 cent in the club party, unfortunately, <laughs> that popular 2003 hit. Anyway, yes. sorry, continue. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, so people who have been paid by the government to divert conversation away from the criticism of that government, apparently they get 50 cents. I don't know why they're being paid in American money, but I'm again, I'm, I'm, I've known very little about the social media situation. Well, I'm side. sure that there's some like really smart reason for why they're doing it in American money, probably some <laughs> sort of, you know, just uh, that would make the government even more upset. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so and this these were happening so fast that it was obviously an automated bot that was doing this or like an automated like uh, censorship module that was doing this. Uh, mm-hmm. The Verge talked to YouTube about it and they got the official quote quote upon review by our teams we have confirmed this was an error in our enforcement systems and we are working to fix it as quickly as possible. Uh, and they clarify that this is they didn't elaborate on how or why this error came to be, but said it was not the result of any change in its moderation policy. So but that that begs the question, how did this it's an error, but how did this get flagged to begin with? Uh, they all uh, the Verge also did a little bit of digging and realized that according to complaints in uh, uh, in uh, customer support forums, this had been going on for at least six months. So it wasn't it's we can't blame this on uh, uh, an announce or an advisory that Google and YouTube issued about a month ago saying that, hey, as more of our workers are going to be working from home, we are putting a lot of more of our content moderation in the hands of uh, of automated systems. So you might see they actually warned YouTube content creators that if you get a flag on something that absolutely seems to make no sense, we will review it. It's probably something that it, because we're, we're using few, less human moderation, but this not that's not going to be the case with this. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's not as I don't know. It's it's not as uh, suspicious with Google, given that they have so little to do with China to begin with. Uh, it would be a lot more a lot more difficult if it were like Apple 
<laughs> that was that was uh, that was up to this. But still, it shows that even even if it was your software that caused this problem, you are still responsible for having written that software and not catching this earlier. Yeah, and you add this to a long line of censorship on you know YouTube's YouTube's end. It's just there's. <sighs> I'm exhausted. Let's go to the third one. <laughs> okay. Well, this 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 last one is kind of fun uh, because there is a there is a personal component to this. Uh, YouTube has taken down Michael Moore's new documentary entitled Planet of the Humans. This is uh, – he released it uh, for free to – he released it to YouTube and it is a documentary that uh, criticizes the renewable energy movement and which – that headline itself will get people, oh my god, see Michael Moore, our, my hero, he's being censored by this big, horrible, faceless corporation uh, – Maybe uh, okay. Here's what happened. The, so a photographer <laughs> filed a copyright strike against the movie, claiming that the movie used some of his footage without consent or payment. Uh, it also says well, this is particularly a problem for me because I don't agree with the message of this movie. I support renewable energy, okay. um, and so and the the clip uh, the, in a state. Uh, so the Verge talked to uh, the director of the movie, uh, Jeff Gibbs, as he he denied any copyright violation of his film. I'm quoting here, which garnered more than eight million views on YouTube. Quote, the attempt to take down our <clears throat> the attempt to take down our film and prevent the public from seeing it is a blatant act of censorship by political critics of the planet of the humans. Okay, that's unfair. I'm sorry. I'm not proud of that. Um, he said it is a misuse of copyright law to shut down a film that has opened a serious conversation about how parts of the environmental movement have gotten into bed with Wall Street. Um, it, it, it does bring up. Uh, it does. I, I, I'm of I'm of two minds on this. Uh, We're still saying one, gotten into bed with Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We're still saying that? Just say capitalism. You don't have to say bed with Wall Street. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it doesn't, I mean, just stop with the metaphors. <laughs> just say what it is. Okay, sorry, Andy. Keep going. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> it, it, it does. You don't need to dance around it. I'm just yeah. saying. Anyway. Has Gen Z taught us nothing? Okay. <laughs> no, Gen Gen Z taught us that dogs can be described as doggos, mm. and birds oh, birds can be birds. I'm very tweet. grateful you, to them yeah. for both of these yes, things. Yes, those are two great <laughs> solid words. I'm not I'm not being sarcastic here. It's like no, I wow. know. As soon as I saw the word burb being used in content, I know that is awesome. I want to use that all the time now. Anyway, sorry. But, Go on. Your two, it points, does, it, two points. Okay, it does point out now the. In in context, I don't think that I don't think that the director's comment has any holds any water whatsoever. Uh, the nature of the violation is that it looked like um, um, he, they're they're claiming fair use, at, but the footage um, the footage that they used looks kind of like almost almost like it would be stock footage. Like they needed a shot to, to establish a scene of whatever this is and oh here's a clip from a movie we'll just cut and paste it in it certainly doesn't look like there was a there was a corporate attempt to take down this documentary however it does point out that uh, the problems of the copyright strike system inside youtube because if mm. i if if i were to create a youtube video that criticizes uh uh, crit- criticizes, uh, let's say, Sony's new uh, vlogger camera, whatever it is, mm. uh, and 
And Sony decided that, oh, well, this Andy Nott, he's far too powerful. He's far too influential. This YouTube video of his is going to do way too much damage. Uh, he used, he did use a press photo in the, in the press kit in the video. We're going to cl- do a copyright claim of the entire video based on that photo. And boom, it gets taken down almost automatically. Even And then it's my job as poor, independent, lowly. I have to... I have to take down the. Uh, uh, I have to uh, not only do my work uh, raising the red banner of revolution and fighting for the rights of consumers, but I also have to vacuum. I've got dishes to do. I've got shopping. Uh, it's my it's my job to convert convince the automated systems at YouTube that no, it is a press photo that they released specifically with the intention of using it to uh, in reviews of this product. Uh, and on and on and on, this is a tool that uh, that companies can use to sort of remove certain conversation uh, from from the public conversation from YouTube. So the the concept is right in that this is a big problem. But I don't I think that they're just saying, oh, sorry, our bad. We should have paid for that. <laughs> how much do you will we'll settle for? How much do you want for this? How much? What would be the fair price for this? Okay, that's great. Um, and I, I, and I will admit that I'm maybe inclined. I think that my my conclusions are based on defensible facts. I will admit that I do. I did have a confrontation <laughs> with Michael Moore uh, a number of years ago uh, over his movie Bowling for Columbine. I think it was when it was still out. Um, when I was writing for the Sun, Sun Times. Um, I saw the documentary in the theater and some things I knew were kind of suspicious because I happened to have been like uh, researching the uh, 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 a missile recycling program. There's a, there's a mission saying, let's take these Titan missiles, I think, uh, and basically demilitarize them and turn them into commercial launchers. Uh, and so when they, when he had all this footage of, Oh, and, and the, when the nuclear missiles that provide death and deliver <laughs> the violence are snuck out through the city so that people can I'm like, that doesn't seem true. So I started like taking notes during another viewing and seeing like if, if all of this was holding up. Um, Roger Ebert uh, was a really good friend of mine and we email all the time as friends do. And I was like mentioning this. And <laughs> unfortunately, uh, uh, Roger as a friend was had every single positive thing you'd want in a friend, except for one thing. He had a really, really popular column and big audience. And sometimes he would repeat things that you told him in an email <laughs> without checking with you first. <laughs> and so I think, I think in a year, in a year end review, year end roundup of the best films of the year, he included Bowling for Columbine and said, Oh, well, you know, so what if the, the two, uh, uh, two Columbine killers didn't actually go to bowling class that morning, which is the whole premise of the movie. It's still a good movie. And Michael, he forwarded Roger forwarded to me, the email that Michael Moore sent, which is, Oh, gee, Roger was surprised and a little disappointed that you, you, you would mention that. Cause um, I'm, 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 I will, ha- I will helpfully you explain to really you how all of this work. Yeah. And so, <laughs> And so he oh, Roger forwarded it to me, and I said, "Okay, let's like, let's don't you don't uh, I, uh, tell him, you give him my name and tell him that you know you that I'm the one who's talking about this." And the email that Michael Moore immediately sent to me Uh-oh. was as, instead of "Oh well, I'm sorry," and I just I, I think there's been a misunderstanding. Like, how dare you? And so I, <laughs> I of course go back into well, this is gold. <laughs> 
and, and, but also like I can get I, I need to get like information from him. So well, here are some things that I've been looking into. I've talked to the investigators and I've talked to this expert here and I talked to these two people that you interviewed, and he was responding to like like the uh, like the claim that the two killers again were at bowling class. That the the opening of the movie was you know but these these two 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 children who went to bowling class in the morning and what caused them later in the day to vote and so well it turns out that they didn't and here's why the investigators conclude because I, I was I was talking to the investigators and when you ask you you can often find out get a sense of the validity of someone's statement by how they respond to a request for clarification mm-hmm. where the investigators reply well here is exactly how we came about that conclusion we did have we didn't have proof that he wasn't there of course because you can't prove a negative however the and then I, found, I have to learn about how bowling leagues score <laughs> team play that the bowling class used standard bowling league scoring where if someone is a member of a team but didn't show up, they fill out a scorecard for them but leave it blank. And the investigators, for this example, they found in the teacher's records a blank scorecards for both of the killers, thus leading credence to the possibility that – to the conclusion that they hadn't been there. And and so I I mentioned this – and he said, well, who are you going to believe, the, the investigators or these two high school girls that I talked to that were remembering it from two years later and talking to a movie camera? Like, uh, he didn't say that exactly, he said, he, but he did literally say, who are you going to believe, the, the investigators or these two girls who were like in the class? And I'm like, given that they have actual evidence as opposed to these Two uh, anyway, so he was very, and he, and he's two poor argued, girls who have been like yeah. super traumatized by like this. Oh my god! Yeah. And I'm just it's, I'm just saying that he was he kept arguing and arguing and arguing with me, and he promises, oh I'll I'll send you documents that, uh, da, 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 and of course he never followed through with that, and he was just such a pill start to finish that um, I don't I don't know how much involvement Michael Moore had in this movie, but I can I can say that if I have a uh, although I bury all prejudices <laughs> when as part of my work, I will right. admit that the prejudice I'm trying that I've had to bury when reading the story is that if Michael Moore is associated with something, I'm saying you want to verify pretty much everything that you see in there. Yeah. And this is why you pay for journalism. Everyone out there is just exactly what Andy just talked about. Um, because it takes a lot of work to do this stuff. Um, these are man hours. These are man yes. hours to to prove to prove these things. Um, but I did and what do you appreciate- get out of it? You get yelled at by by an Oscar winner. Yeah. Um sorry, I mean we don't have Oscars. Uh <laughs> But I will say, Andy, I appreciate that you did bring up the fact that, again, just bringing it back to YouTube here, that this does say a lot about how the algorithm works. And I think it is, and again, the same attention to detail that you had watching Bowling for Columbine <laughs> is the same attention to detail that you had here, just picking apart the seemingly simple news story. But really, here's what's going on behind the scenes. Well, we're going to wind up the show with uh, a bit of good news. Uh, Good news if you're looking to save money on phones. Bad news if you're looking for an uncomplicated decision path on whether or not you should buy the Pixel 4a when it comes out. Uh, So over the past week or two, 
the Pixel 3a and the Pixel 3a XL have been discounted super, super heavily. And we're not even talking about like refurb models. Uh, mm. I've got, I bought my Pixel 1 a few years ago as a refurb for, I felt like next to nothing. Uh, and right now, mm-hmm. at today, if you go to Best Buy, you can order a Pixel 3a XL for $269 if you activate it today. Um, three hundred nineteen dollars if you activate it later. I don't know if that. I don't know if that means buying it without any sort of Verizon contract. But the fact mm. that you can walk out of here with a Pixel Three A XL uh, for two hundred sixty nine dollars under any circumstances is pretty good. Uh, the week before, I was uh, tempted a little bit. I had to. I had to think through whether or not to buy a Pixel Three A free and clear for. I think the price was down to three hundred dollars a little bit more a little bit less because the, for a 399 dollars phone that is a significant discount particularly as well reviewed as the uh, pixel 3a has been reviewed mm-hmm. um we're also the decision tree there is also complicated by the fact that the uh, pixel 4a has been delayed according to multiple rumors until mid-july they um if this had been a normal year it would probably have been released at the same time as the pixel 3a mid-may during the uh, google io Mm -hmm. uh, keynote address um there's also a possibility that if they uh, maybe they'll do it on june 3rd again next wednesday on the at the android 11 event uh but there are a couple different people who are who have a specific date in mind that they say it's going to be mid-july i think they're saying july 13 uh, I could be. I'm trying. I'm, I did not write that down, so I could yeah. be wrong about that. But mid July, anyway. I just have to say, I I'm dubious personally about the hardware being announced next week, just because of who is leading. Yeah. The event, and it is the Android development team, not yeah. the hardware team. So yeah. it it was very very different set of people from the Pixel event that we had in October versus who is doing the event next week. Um. Just for those, for those the uninitiated. Um, so I, but <laughs> yeah, it's, this is I mean, this year is all about the affordability coming back into play, but not the affordability that we're used to. Just yeah. you know, not like oh, if you want something affordable, it's going to be this hackneyed version of whatever you'd get right. for a flagship price. Now it's like. Oh, $400? Well, and I I have to give Apple credit here because I think their whole announcement, their whole thing with the iPhone SE has completely... Maybe this is why Google's... Maybe Google's going back to the drawing board for this reason. I don't know. I'm. It's all conjecture. I'm not entirely sure why we're getting a later hardware date than what we yeah. were expecting. It's Yeah, it's weird because there are also multiple reports that this is just a marketing decision on the date to, to, yeah, to slip. Yeah, exactly. There have already been multiple, a couple of different uh, spoilers have posted a picture. Here is a box of factory, right. uh, factory manufactured shrink wrap ready to go, uh, Pixel, mm-hmm. th- Pixel 4As. There was already a billboard uh, mock-up that leaked out mm-hmm. uh some some user um has actually got a hand, has got it got their hands on an actual unit uh from somewhere and so so a lot of pretty much everything that we could learn about it has already been learned uh won't have uh, project solely it will have a a which is probably not going to break anybody's hearts it's going to have a, a touch sensor instead uh no neural core chip no wireless charging uh, plastic body instead of metal, sure, but it will yeah. have a headphone jack. We'll have the Titan M security chip, uh, and its specs are going to be 
darn nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the other, I don't, I don't know whether to believe this rumor though. Um, the last year's models were three hundred ninety nine bucks for the three A. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, the rumor has it that there will be no four A XL. It will just be the four A. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, price will stick to th- uh, the last year's model was three hundred ninety nine dollars. There is speculation that it might be as low as three forty nine. Mm. Uh, to, uh, to in light of the fact that I, the iPhone SE has instead of having like a good enough generation processor has mm-hmm. the uh, has apple's like a13 processor built in it is essentially a, an iphone 11 brain power with certain co- accommodations for uh screen sensors and uh, uh and camera and i have to i have to admit that if it's it's a difficult choice. If it's three hundred forty nine dollars for a three a a four a with one hundred twenty eight megabytes of storage, which is another component that I don't know if I believe is part of this rumor, but that is one hell of an interesting package. But a iPhone SE twenty twenty model for three hundred ninety nine dollars is also a hell of an interesting idea, uh, and I don't know how much lo- how much lower the Pixel three a can get. Before I just tell myself I'm stupid for not buying it at this price, even if I just wanted to ha- have it as inventory or just to give myself some breathing room. My uh, my situation is that uh, I, I do have a, a Pixel 1, which is uh, at the end, uh, already reached the end of its three years of guaranteed support. It is no longer getting – it will not get uh, get Android 11. It will. It's not even getting security update patches. So this is a year that I really do have to replace my daily carry phone with something more modern. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It might. It, this might be a good year for me to not bother buying a $1,000 flagship phone and uh, a $399 phone of any stripe that I can use for the next year or two and then buy a $1,000 phone only if the next, one, the next one I see really knocks my socks off. That is a very, very attractive sort of proposition to me. You should do it. You should do it. And then you can you can truly walk a mile in those shoes, so to speak, mm-hmm. and and really understand what it is that um, companies are selling to consumers. I, that's why I think it's very important for us, you and I, Andy, to do that kind of work because, and I I, tr- I, I mean this sincerely. Uh, I feel like we, as reviewers, sometimes go through these phones really quickly and, you know, it's like, hey, this is great, this is great, this is great. But it's really the long-term usage of these things. Like, I'm going on year two of using the Pixel 3 and it's very interesting to see how it has aged, the things that are bothering me about it now, um, those kind of things. I think it's a very important part of our jobs that we don't really get a chance to do. And... You know, I love the the 3A that I have. I have the cute purple one. Honestly, I hold on to it um, because it's really cute. And I just really <laughs> love the design schematic of it. And so I feel like having that in my arsenal, that's something that I'm going to refer back to years later. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the kind of people that Andy and I are, are is we are collectors of these things. And so I like having these things in the arsenal to kind of harken back to. Um, plus you could always use it as a reference device for something further down the line to see how something yeah. works. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I do think this is a good deal. And also you're probably going to be waiting just like me to see like what pixel five or whatever next 
flagship thingy is going to be. There's so many other flagship phones now that are much more interesting. Like I'm really considering just having the OnePlus 8, the really pretty uh, aquamarine one as my daily driver because they've done so much work with the camera. They've done so much work with the hardware. So uh, this is an interesting year because as we're all stuck at home 2020, I know there's all those memes coming out that's like, here's what 2020 is and here's like what, you know, here's what I wanted 2020 to be. And here's what it really is. Uh, I feel like what I wanted 20, I think I might've already made this comparison all that Android. So I apologize to anybody who's heard this already, but um, 2020 was supposed to be a flagship phone, but 2020 is really going to turn out to be like old faithful here, keeping me going. <laughs> uh, and this is a nice, like soft year for hardware because it's, I feel like it's giving companies time to kind of recalibrate what, yeah is going to be coming out next. So everybody else, save your pennies. Unless you've been wanting, unless you need a new iPhone and you want that SE because you've been holding on to the smaller, you know, five or six. I know a lot of people who are (laughs) now upgrading from like four or five years with the same iPhone. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's complicated. Another thing that's sort of affecting my thinking is um, how surprised I was at that sort of uh, blockbuster piece of news about rick osterlo two months before the release of the pixel 4 saying i'm very getting the entire pixel team together in our time saying i'm very disappointed in you i don't like i don't think this battery is big enough and the fact that project Soli is still uh they still uh, again i I was able to I, i have i had a motorola phone years ago that could pause music and skip tracks by holding waving my hand in front of it I was really hoping for a lot more for it. So part in the back of my mind, I'm thinking that maybe whatever, and given that they got rid of like their, essentially their, their pixel phones are as well as the, the guru of pixel, of pixel mm-hmm. photography, that maybe this will be a rebuilding year and the pixel six That's, is going to be yeah. the That's really good to one to have. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm all I'm saying is that's, this leaves me, uh, very, very receptive to one of two things, either buying a cheaper phone uh, with the expectation that, hey, maybe I'll use it for three or four years as usual, but maybe I'll just use it for one or two years until I see something that's absolutely delightful. Or doing something saying, well, if I'm hoping, if I'm looking for looking forward to the uh, to the Pixel 6 or the next, next other iPhone, maybe I could get a Note 10 <laughs> Plus. And do something, have a bizarre phone for the next year or so. It's it's weird. I I uh, see. I as a, when I make editorial comments, I say, "Isn't it great that we have so many options and so much choice?" But now, as a consumer, I'm like, "Can we go back to the time where I didn't really think that much about it and just bought bought a new new iPhone every other year? <laughs> I see, didn't really consider al- alternatives." This is what we were talking It all comes back around because this is kind of yes. similar to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast with Chrome. <laughs> so. Uh, well, I think that'll be it for us this week. Uh, Flo, anything you want to promote or shine a light on for uh, that you're working on? Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I have done. I need to update my website. 
but until I get there, don't worry about it. Just okay. follow, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of be taking a little social media break. So maybe just like, don't follow me on Twitter, or Instagram for a while. Cause <laughs> you know, just, uh, if you need to get in contact with me, just go to florencelion.com and if you have a question, you know, I'm still offering tech help for free. So you can go to florencelion.com for that. Um, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm doing some recalibration of my own, just like all these, you know, companies just trying to to focus on what needs to be prioritized. So I have a feeling this is going to be a fruitful summer for myself in terms of productivity. Yeah. Uh, but and we're kind of just ramping up to get there right now. We're putting some me and my internal team of little flows are putting <laughs> a putting a new system into place. So I tried to do that with colored paper this morning, but I broke the printer. So that's <laughs> neither here nor there. I didn't break it. It's just, <laughs> I think the paper I used was too thick. I don't know. You just left it very, very disillusioned and in, a, in an odd peckish mood. Well, I'm trying to like do these daily like tasks list, task lists, which I'm showing Andy right now on the, uh, on the webcam. So I've been printing out like PDFs to help me. And I wanted to print it out on this like bright green neon paper, but uh, there you go. So anyway, that's what's going on over here. <laughs> you asked. <laughs> Bright green paper causes bad vibes. Everybody knows that. <laughs> what about you, Andy? Are you uh, are you talking on radio this week? Yes, I'm going to be on Boston NPR, WGBH radio tomorrow. That is Friday uh, at 1130, talking about how upset I am about <laughs> whatever it is that Trump decides to sign as an executive order today. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there'll be other uplifting stuff. Go to WGBHnews.org. Uh, to stream it live or later. It's usually posted up there uh, later that day or early on Saturday. Uh, and as usual, hit me on uh, on Twitter. I'm Anatko. Hit me on Instagram. Oddly enough, I am Anatko there. Uh, and <laughs> pretty much that. And most of, most of that is going to be uh, vacuuming in my future. Oh, I will, I, I will uh, again, to end this on a totally up note, um, I've, had, I've had lots of like cardboard, cardboard boxes are like the bane of my existence because there's constant influx of them and breaking them down and cutting them up and getting them into recycling is I bought a unipurpose power tool that does nothing but like a rotary tool that cuts cardboard and it's arriving on Saturday and I've almost been like sort of like putting all these boxes in a pile in anticipation of having fun all day Saturday, cutting these things into tiny, tiny little bits. So don't fear for me. Don't, don't, don't worry about me. I'm going to be having a good old time. Please, uh, assuming, please send me a assuming picture that the, when you're the, the guard on the spinning blade is everything that it's been advertised to be. Otherwise yeah. I will be coming at you next week with one or two missing fingers. Oh tips. Jesus. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, by That's the way, you can, it, it is a good place to end. But before we officially end, don't forget relay.fm slash material if you'd like to become a member of our show because memberships keep us going and you support the entire Relay FM network of great podcasts and great hosts. So don't forget. Also, thank you to Jim for editing us every week. (laughs) As always, as always. Here's to Jim. Well, that will do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great next six to seven days. Until then, hang in and hang on. Mm-hmm.